Hey, with my brother, Brother Michael and Hotep, host of the African History Network uh, show. You can find that on YouTube and on on um, on social media. But I wanted to have a conversation that Brother Michael, once again, he brought this to my attention, and I'm glad my brother did, where he talked about Japanese Americans and how they are making it clear that because they receive some form of reparations, Black Americans should too. Let me bring my brother back into the frame around this. Uh, and, and, and Brother uh, Michael, this is very, very interesting. When I read the piece that, that I saw, I was like, well, it makes sense. And it will, I think this will take the conversation to the next level. Let me just share with y'all, with our crew, what folks are saying. Here's it is from AP. This is what's happening now, folks. Uh, take a look at this. From California uh, to Washington, D.C., activists are joining revived reparation movements and pushing for formal government and uh, compensation for the lasting harm of slavery's legacy on subsequent generations from access to housing and education to voting rights and employment. Japanese American activists in California are studying the landmark report issued by the California's task force and plan to reach out to college students, churches, and other community groups to raise awareness about why black reparations is needed and how it intersects with their own struggle. All right, Keenan, let's stay right there for a minute. Then we'll share the second quote in a minute. But I want to go to you, Brother Michael, on this. This is very interesting because I remember, Brother Michael, when that conversation, and make sure you're not on mute, Nick, bro. Um, I remember, yes. th there we go. Uh, when there was a conversation about the violence that was happening, that spate of violence that was happening against Japanese Americans in, in certain cities like New York City and other parts of the country, People, black people, and I remember having this conversation on this platform where black people were like, oh, so the government can address the violence against Japanese. And we're talking about, you know, supporting the Japanese community. But then we're not talking about what's been going on for black people, which is understandable, which is understandable. But there were a lot of people feeling some type of uh, some type of resentment against Japanese folks for getting any type of government assistance or getting some type of policy to speak to their to their harm. Now, this is an interesting situation because you got Japanese Americans who are saying, look, we received reparations for what was done from our people from Pearl Harbor, uh, from Nagasaki and Hiroshima and all of that that America has done. We stand with, in solidarity. How do you reconcile these two points, Brother Michael? Well, number one, people have to really understand the history uh, uh, history prior to 1988. Uh, the first hate crimes act ever signed into law in the history of this country was was signed into law in 1968 by President Lyndon Baines Johnson. It was part of the Fair Housing Act, and it was a result of the modern day civil rights movement, and it was largely for African Americans. That's the, the, that's the first hate crimes act ever signed into the history of this country. Then when you go and study why the Department of Justice was created in 1870 by Congress during Reconstruction, the Department of Justice was created largely to enforce the new rights that African-Americans were getting and to prosecute those who were violating their rights. And this is why in 1871 you had the Ku Klux Klan Act, and then you have President Ulysses S. Grant that declares martial law in nine counties in South Carolina to crack down on the Klan. And you had Klansmen prosecuted by the Department of Justice. When we look here at 
what Japanese Americans got. First of all, it's important to understand which Japanese Americans got a one-time payout of $20,000, which totaled over $1.6 billion. It was approximately 82,250 Japanese Americans. It was not all Japanese Americans in the country. It went to those directly who were uh, put into those internment camps during World War II, about 1941 to 1945 or so. And it, it went to those who had to be evacuated, okay? So this past Congress, now I posted this link here from justice.gov. If you could pull that up, that explains exactly what happened. That's from the Department of Justice. Ten-year program to compensate compensate Jack, uh, Japanese Americans interned during World War II closes its doors. So this was, and you can zoom in on that, uh, this was an act of Congress. It only went to those who were survivors of the internment camps. Now, members of the Congressional Black Caucus at this time advocated for this uh also, this restitution. Then the so this was 1988 that this bill passed. They left a 10-year window for people to make claims. In 1989, the Honorable John Conyers from Detroit introduced HR 40 for to to have a uh, a study done by the federal government on the harms of uh, that slavery has done done and the consequences of slavery, the the legacy of slavery to African Americans. So that was the year after after this. Uh, now, the problem is, is based upon Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, Section 601, non-discrimination in federally assisted programs. Race-based programs are illegal at the federal level. You also have a similar law in California, which is why the California Reparations Task Force is prescribing their reparations based upon lineage as opposed to just race, just being black. Okay, right. so so they can get around that and and withstand uh, court challenges because whatever they pass will be challenged in court. You have sure. to be able to withstand court challenges. That's all you have to understand law. Now, the problem with us is that all of the last of the former slaves died in the 1950s. So our situation is different than Japanese Americans because that that restitution only went to those who were directly harmed. For us, all the last of the former slaves died in the 1950s. So this is why you're going to have to approach it differently. And what will be uh, the what California is doing is probably what will be adopted at the federal level. If something is adopted, you have to do it by lineage. But the, the but the uh, most important thing that we have to understand is that this is not about a check. This is about comprehensive reparations and if you read the 500 page uh the 500 page study that uh the California Reparations Task Force released in uh June of 2022 and I'm posting here in the chat the article from the Washington Post that breaks this down and it has the link to the uh link to the 500 studies I've gone through it and read part of it uh, we have to have comprehensive reparations. So the laws and policies that have put, been put in place and still remain in place that have maldistributed wealth pond resources into the hands of Europeans, you have to change those laws and policies. Yeah. This is why you have to understand the history of what's happened, because if we all got a million dollars a day, you and I both know white people have it all back by this time next week. And the right. only thing you would have done is stimulated their economy, but the laws and policies that now distributed wealth, power, and resources into their hands in the first place will still be there. Okay. Let me let me throw this out there as well, brother Michael. And I'm glad that you're bringing these points up. One of the things that um, was said 
was uh, was referenced is this uh, this Pew Research Center uh, a poll that was done about the issue. Right. Take a look at this, folks. Only 30 percent of U.S. adults surveyed by the Pew Research Center in 2021. And Keenan, let's pull this second quote up for me, please. Thank you, bro. Um, only 30 percent of U.S. adults surveyed by the Pew Research Center in 2021 supported reparations for slavery. That was in 2021. That's two years ago. 77% of whom were black Americans. Wow. That was two years ago, folks. Uh, support among Latinos and Asians were 39% and 33% respectively. And white Americans had the lowest rate of support at 18%. Now, some advocates said that the idea of reparations for the World War II incarceration camps was once considered outlandish. But many, take this look. I want y'all to listen to the show. Right. Many young third-generation Japanese Americans were inspired to mobilize from civil rights and ethnic pride movements, including the Black Panther Party and the Brown Berets, who promoted Chicano rights. Mm -hmm. Look, folks. Look at this. Take a listen, folks. Let me just say this, and, and Brother Michael, we only got a couple of moments left. Okay. But I wanted to. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up because. If we understood that the struggle of black people in this country serves as the metric, the standard, the very reference point on what human rights look like in this country, right? We open the door. Our struggle opens the door for other salvation. Right. And so for the fact that you got third generation Japanese Americans, young Japanese who are learning about the plant, the black power movement, the civil rights movement. They're learning about the, all of these uh, movements of black liberation that are saying, look, this is similar to what we experienced. This is eye opening on so many levels. And this is why Chris, my guy, Chris Big checked in. He said something and, I, and I'm a true, true, uh, and I'm in total agreement with him. Chris, you made the point, you said uh, the benefits uh, let me just make sure. Let me make sure I'm pulling this up. You said, Chris, that in order for movements to be successful, that they must be diverse. And, and for a situation like this, for Japanese people, some Japanese, of course, not across the board, but some right. Japanese Americans saying, we want to support this. I think, Brother Michael, this pushes the priority up a few notches to get people to understand now, if you got Japanese that are signing on, imagine what would happen if Latinos signed on. Right. Well, yeah. So this is why it's important to understand history and why the history of this country and the history of African-Americans has to be taught in all schools across the country. It has to be taught to everybody because those third generation Japanese are studying history, studying the Black Power Movement, also studying the Civil Rights Movement, uh, 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 Asian women like uh, Grace Lee Boggs, things like this, who, who was an ally uh, to the Civil Rights Movement. Now, I just posted the link here to an article. If you can just pull this up for a quick second. This deals with how you tie all this together. Racism has cost the U.S. $16 trillion. This was a study, this was a study by uh, Citigroup Bank. And it, 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 it laid out three critical areas. And it said, they looked at, just for, from a 20 year period of time from the year 2000 to like 2019. And they said the U.S. economy had lost 16 trillion dollars um, uh, because of racism. And they yep. said black black workers have lost 113 billion in potential wow. wages over the past two decades because they could not get a college degree. Wow. 
The housing market lost $218 billion in sales because black applicants could not get home loans and about $13 trillion in business revenue never flowed into the U.S. economy because African-American entrepreneurs could not get access to bank loans. It goes on to say that the U.S. could have $5 trillion in gross domestic product over the next five years if those gaps and others were closed today, the study indicated. So that deals with changing laws and policies. But what this study documents, and there are other studies like it, it shows how racism negatively impacts everybody in this country. It's lost opportunity for everybody, even though we get the brunt of it. So it, 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 it requires a re-education process and really teaching this history. That's why Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday could be very powerful if we know how to use it, because it allows us to force into the national conversation a history that Republicans are passing laws and state legislators to keep that history from being taught in the schools. So it has to requires a total re-education process and show how all this is hurting everybody and uh, policies yeah, that are good for African-Americans are good for America in general. Come on, there it is right there. Look, we're going to end it right there. Hey, 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 brother Michael. Uh, I'm so happy that you brought this topic. I'm serious, brother. I, I didn't, I didn't see this, so yeah. I'm glad that you, you, you know, you were like, "Hey, Farage, we need to talk hey, about this." I'm on it. I'm about 35 different news sources on a daily basis. Hey, bro, and I'm always, talk. I'm always consuming. But this right. is actually, this is great. This is great, yes. and I think it's going to push the movement. I think it's going to push the conversation further along. I think it's yeah. going, and it's a huge. This uproots white supremacy on so many levels, brother Michael. You know it, and I know it. You're starting to see Japanese. You got, of course, black folks. If we start to see more groups of people standing behind black folks and saying, yeah, their struggle is our struggle. Oh, mm -hmm. right. Oh, right. Brother. Exactly. Like, it's 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 the sky's the limit. Look, we got a, we got a couple of seconds left. Talk to us about the work you're doing. OK, visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. We had two new 12 week online courses awesome. that just started up uh, this past weekend, the weekend before ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school on Saturday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then on Sunday, black resistance movements, uh, Haitian Revolution, the U.S. Civil War, uh, the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power Movement, 1800 That's to 1968. Awesome. So register for both of those classes. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime, even after the course is over with. You'll still have full access. You can watch it. Uh, and, and this information is PG-13. You can use this with your children as well. Register at our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. There it is. Brother Michael and Hotep, you can see him on Mondays here on The Culture. You can also yes. check him out on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Yeah, on Fridays. On Fridays. And so yes. we're so happy he's able to spend some of his time and, most importantly, his brilliance with us. Thank you, Brother Michael. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you for Absolutely. watching. Peace. Peace, brother. We want to uh, make yeah. use of this three minutes before the break. Yeah. Lady Grace, you're up. Uh, thank you. Um, and I, I have a statement and a question for your guests there. Um, first of all, I, I truly thank you for your call of service. Um, the knowledge that spills out of your mouth on a regular basis. Oh, thanks. You are doing, you're doing, this is my version of excellence for the majority <laughs> of our people. Oh, thanks. Really. Thank you. And, and I don't use excellence too much either mm -hmm. because everybody's excellence is a little different. Um, did you actually um, apply for the fictitious um, uh, task force at the city council about the reparations? Did you apply for that? That's one question. Did I, did I apply to be on the task force? Yes, 
No, 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 I didn't apply. Some some people asked me to be on the task force. My hands are full with what I'm doing, and uh, I, 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 I can't, I, I don't have the time. I can't do it. Well, they should have reached out to you. You should have been appointed and, and paid, literally. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say this. On a national level, if something like this comes about, would you be willing to sit on a panel and help draft this whole uh, <laughs> changing thing. Well, you okay, have a so, national platform because so, you're on Roland Martin. I'm on Roland Martin's show on Fridays. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a panelist. Yes. So he, he, here's, here's the deal, my sister. And this came up on uh, Faraji Muhammad's show yesterday on the Black Star uh, on Roland's network. And uh, I talked about this last Friday on Roland's show. I'm all for repairing the damage of 246 years of slavery and decades of Jim Crow segregation and redlining and things like this and, and, and uh, systemic racism. I'm all for that. Now, my concept as a historian and as someone who's also a political commentator also understands politics and law. First of all, reparations, the root concept means repairing the damage of a harm that was done. Okay? To repair means to restore you, to make you whole again. All right. So before we start talking about how to repair the damage, we first have to analyze who African people were mm-hmm. and what African people had before Whoa. the damage was done. Wow. Just trying to give That's a heavy. check. That's heavy. And, and trying to equate a check to the fact that we didn't get paid. Our ancestors mm-hmm. didn't get paid for 246 years. That's not reparations. OK. Wow. You said a mouthful. Yes. We'll be back with our last segment. All right. So this article is from February, February 24th, 2023. Here's after they won uh, that. So, so let me back up here. It talks about how um, it, it talks about a woman named Mia uh, Iwataki. And it says, when Mia Iwataki and us Americans fought in, in the 1980s for the U.S. government to apologize to the families it imprisoned during World War II, Black politicians and civil rights leaders were integral to the movement. They were integral in helping them get an apology and get some type of restitution. 35 years after they won that apology and survivors of prison camps received $20,000 each. This did not go to all Japanese Americans in the U.S. at that time. It only went to those who were survivors of the internment camps or those who had to evacuate, all right? Now, um, those advocates are now demanding atonement for black Americans whose ancestors were enslaved. From California to Washington, D.C., activists are joining revived reparations movements and pushing for formal government compensation for the lasting harm of slavery's legacy on subsequent generations, from access to uh, housing and education to voting rights and employment. Now, advocating for reparations is the right thing to do, said uh, 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 Maya Iwataki, a resident of South Pasadena, California, who is who is in her 70s. She cited cross-cultural solidarity. She cited cross-cultural solidarity that has built up over decades. Now, African-American lawmakers, such as the late California Congressman Mervyn uh, 
Damali, uh, D-Y-M-A-L-L-Y, and Ron Dellums. Ron Dellums played critical roles in winning the Civil Liberties Act of 1988, the Civil, Civil Liberties Act of 1988, which formalized the government's apology and redress payments, okay? And this past Congress was signed in the law by President Ronald Reagan. Now, last Saturday marked the last Sunday, which would have been uh, Sunday, uh, February 19th, marked the 81st anniversary of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signing an executive order that allowed the U.S. government to force an estimated 125,000 uh, people, two thirds of them U.S. citizens from their homes and businesses and incarcerate them in desolate barbed wire camps throughout the West. Now, Iwataki said, quote, we want to help our communities win reparations because it was so important to us. We want to help communities win reparations because it was so important to us. Now, after stalling for decades, at the federal level, after, after stalling for decades at the, at the federal level, reparations for slavery has received new interest amid a national reckoning over the 2020 police killing of George Floyd. Amid nationwide protests in the year 2020, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom of California signed legislation that established a first in the nation task force to address the topic of, of reparations in, in California is reparations, not just for slavery, but for decades of Jim Crow segregation, for housing discrimination, things like this, because California really does not have a history of slavery. Uh, when California came into the union in 1850, it came in as a uh, free state. Now they've identified about 1500 people that were in like a semi-slavery state, okay, when California comes into the union. But California does not have a real history of slavery, but they do have a a, a real history of, of racism, housing discrimination, uh, redlining, uh, sundown towns, things of this nature, where you, you had to, uh, if you were African-American, you had to be out of town uh, before uh, nightfall, or you could be arrested, you can be attacked, uh, etc. Okay, so they do have, have a history of that. Now, uh, other cities, counties have since followed. In Boston, St. Louis, and San Francisco, when an advisory uh, committee issued a draft rec draft recommendation in 2022 proposing a lump sum payment of $5 million apiece for eligible individuals. That's not going to happen. That's fantasy right there. That ain't, that, that's not going to happen. In December 2022, the National Nikkei Reparations Coalition, alongside more than uh, 70 other Japanese American and Asian American organizations, submitted a letter calling on uh, the Biden administration to establish a presidential commission for reparations. Now, Japanese American activists in California are studying the landmark report issued by the California's 
uh, Reparations Task Force. We've talked about uh, the report here on the show uh, numerous times. It's a 500-page report that was released uh, June of uh, 2022. And I'm going to pull up an article here dealing with uh, that report as well. We'll go to that here in just a second. Okay. So Japanese Amer- Japanese American activists in California are studying the landmark report issued by uh, California's task force and plan to reach out to college students, churches, and other community groups to raise awareness about why African Americans, uh, why uh, reparations for African Americans is needed, and how it intersects with their own struggle, struggle of Japanese Americans. Now, reparations critics say that monetary compensation and other forms of atonement are not necessary when no one alive today was enslaved or a slave owner overlooking the inequities today impacting later generations of uh, black Americans. Now, uh, and so and what happened was uh, after that the bill passed in 1988, we know that Representative John Conyers uh, from Detroit introduced uh, HR 40. Okay, that was in 1989, the year after he introduced HR uh, uh, 40. Okay, now President Ronald Reagan signed the Civil Liberties Act of 1988, providing living survivors uh, with a formal apology and twenty thousand dollars each for the quote grave injustice end quote done to them. It would cost the U.S. government one point six billion dollars. So it, from 1988 to 1998, they they paid that out. Uh, a year after Ronald Reagan signed uh, Japanese. Uh, reparations into law, the late Congressman John Conyers from Detroit issued, uh, introduced a bill to consider slavery reparations named after the promise of 40 acres and the mule that the U.S. initially made to free slaves. The bill has gone, no, well, the bill has, it really hasn't gone anywhere. It, it, it made it out of the House Judiciary Committee for the first time, I think it was like 2021, something like that. Um, the promise of 40 acres and a mule, that that didn't apply to all former slaves, just so people understand. That was 400,000 acres of coastal land divided up into 40-acre plots, coastal land in South Carolina, Florida, and Georgia. So it was split up among about 40,000 African-American families, but President Andrew Johnson ends up taking most of that land back. We'll continue this discussion on the other side of the break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the After History Network show. All right. Uh, so right before the break, we were talking about the uh, article from the press. Uh, name of this article is Japanese Americans push for black people to receive revelations. Japanese Americans push for black people to receive reparations. Now, I know a couple of weeks ago, uh, somebody called in and they were talking about reparations for African Americans. They mentioned the Japanese and they said the Japanese are getting reparations. They're not getting reparations. They already got it. 
and this was from 19, uh, this was from uh, 1988 to 1998. And let's look at what they actually got, because there's a whole lot of misinformation floating around about this. One, it did not that were living in the U.S. between 1988 and 1998. It only applied to those who were survivors of the uh, term. Okay. or anything like that. And it was a one-time payment of $20,000, and it went to approximately 82,250 uh, uh, Japanese Americans. Okay, so it was entirely different than what uh, a lot of people are advocating for African Americans when it comes to reparations because they wanted for all African-Americans. This was very specific. And I'm trying to, let me pull this up here. Um, hold on. This is hard. This is from uh, the U.S. Justice Department. In your program to compensate uh, Japanese Japanese Americans interned during World War II. So this is at justice.gov, uh, the Department, Department of Justice website. Also at archives.gov, they have, um, which is the U.S. National Archives, they have some information on this as well. But I want this uh, sheet, because that's what I have printed up. I want this sheet here from justice.gov. Okay, so this is a press release from Friday, February 19th, 1999. Okay, in a 10-year program to compensate Japanese Americans during World War II closes its doors. After paying out more than $1.6 billion to more than 82,250 persons of Japanese ancestry who were interned during World War II, the Justice Department's Office of Redress, uh, the Justice Department's Office of Redress Administration has officially closed its doors. The redress program, which was established by the Civil Liberties Act of 1988, acknowledges, apologizes, and makes restitution for the fundamental injustice of the evacuation, relocation, and internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. The Justice Department's Office of Redress uh, Administration, ORA, O-R-A, was charged with administering the 10-year program, which by operation of law officially closed on February 5th, 1999. Uh, final figures were released today. This is back in 1999. So since the program's inception, Aura has provided $20,000 in redress to 82,219 eligible claimants. This did not go to all Japanese Americans who were living in the United States between 1988 
1998 or 1999. This was very specific. It went to approximately 82,219 Japanese Americans. This totaled more than $1.6 billion. So here they break down what the stipulations were. In order to have been eligible for restitution, an applicant had to have been alive on August 10th, 1988. A U.S. citizen or permanent resident, uh, U.S. citizen or permanent resident alien during the internment period, which was December 7th, 1941 to uh, June 30th, 1946. They had to be a person of Japanese ancestry or the spouse or parent of a person of Japanese ancestry and evacuated, relocated, interned, or otherwise deprived of liberty or property as a result of federal government action during the internment period and based solely on their Japanese ancestry. So once again, this didn't go to all Japanese Americans as many people call in the radio shows and make it seem like happened. That's why you have to do research. That's not, that's not what happened. Now, the problem when it comes to reparations for African Americans is that all of the last of the former slaves died in the 1950s. What Japanese got only went to those who were actually put into the internment camps or those who had to evacuate. For us, our situation is different because all the last of the former slaves died in the 1950s, number one. But number two, based upon the uh, 1964 Civil Rights Act, uh, Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, uh, non-discrimination in federally assisted programs, race-based programs are illegal at the federal level. So you're not going to have reparations for all uh, for, you're not going to have reparations for all uh, uh, black people in this country. That's, that ain't going to happen. Okay. And the sooner uh, people come to the, understand law and come to that realization and stop playing games with our people, um, everybody ain't going to, all black people not going to get a check. That's not, that's not going to happen. That's illegal. We don't understand law enough to understand that. And then the people that do understand law enough don't have the testicular fortitude to tell our people that the people that make you think that you're going to get it, everybody going to get a check is they're lying to you. This is all this to it. Uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964. This is what I want right here. And this is at, uh, I want uh, archives.gov. Okay, where is this? Uh, okay, it's Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Uh, is non-discrimination in uh, fairly assisted programs, okay? Also, they have it at uh, archives.gov as well. Uh, hold on, let me check. Uh, we'll I'll have to pull this up uh, when we go to break. So I want to make sure people see this. Okay, so... As I've talked about before, um, one of the things that has to happen is that we have to understand history, law, economics, and politics. And the other thing is that we have to adopt laws and policies that were put into place 
that maldistributed wealth pond resources, okay? That maldistributed wealth pond resources because even if we all did get a check, we, okay, if we all got a million dollars a day, let's be honest, we all know white people have it all back by this time next week. Nobody really wants to be honest enough and tell you this, I'll tell you, okay? We, 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 I mean, come on. 97% of our dollars are spent with people that don't look like us. And then after you spent the money, the laws and policies that have now distributed wealth pond resources will still be in place. That's why you have to really understand the laws and the policies and address those and change those. Okay. Whether we talk about housing discrimination, whether we talk about, um, uh, whether we talk about, uh, 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 discrimination when it comes to jobs, maldistribution of wealth, et cetera. You have to change those policies that were actually uh, put in place that maldistribute, maldistributed wealth pond resources in the first place. This is why we have to have comprehensive reparations. We have to have comprehensive reparations. Uh, so this is from archives.gov 1964 Civil Rights Act. Okay, 1964 Civil Rights Act. And this deals with uh, Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, non-discrimination and federally assisted programs. Section 601, it says, no person in the United States shall, on the ground of race, color, or national origin, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any program, under any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. This is why it's illegal to have policies at the federal level for just one race of people. This is why when Ice Cube put out his uh, uh, contract with Black America or whatever he called it, even though I, I talked about this before and said I think he meant well, he, did, he didn't consult with um, I don't think he consulted with legal scholars. I don't think he consulted with attorneys that have uh, experience in crafting legislation because you're not going to have race. You're not going to have policies that are only for African-Americans. That's illegal. That's not going anywhere. And if you and if somehow it gets implemented, it, you're going to be sued. It's going to the government will be sued in court. It's going to be overturned in the courts. OK, so uh, read this. So we have to understand how to craft policies that are beneficial to African Americans, but will that but will withstand a legal challenge in court, but they're not going to be exclusive to African Americans. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM the Superstation, WFDF on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hotel, everybody. Hey, this is Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network and host of the African History Network show. Some of you, some of you all saw me on Faraji Muhammad's show, The Culture, on uh, Monday, February 27th, and we talked about uh, Scott Adams, creator of the Dilbert comic strip, who is losing um, newspapers that carry his comic strip because of a racist tirade that he went on. And at the end of uh, the show, I talked about two online courses that I teach on the weekend, two online history courses. So on Saturdays, um, I teach a 12-week online course called Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'apa. 
understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. And this class uh, just started up uh, Saturday, March 4th, 2023. We have uh, class number three and I teach this class uh, I teach this class 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Uh, I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips, and you never look at history the same way. When we study the transatlantic slave trade, we can't start studying our history in slavery. Even when we deal with the transatlantic slave trade, which is important to study, we can't start in 1619 or in the 1440s when the Portuguese get involved. We have to understand the history chronologically and deal with the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors who enter into the Iberian Peninsula today known as Spain and Portugal from North Africa in 711 AD. And they take the teachings from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt into uh, Europe. Now, and these teachings are going to bring Europe out of the dark ages. Now this course not only deals with the transatlantic slave trade, but it also deals with thousands of years of history that leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. August 20th, uh, 2019 marked the 400th year anniversary of the 20 and odd Africans who came into Point Comfort on August 20th, 1619 on that White Lion pirate ship in what would later become called the uh, Colony of Virginia. Now this year, uh, 2019, was known as the year of return as many African-Americans were and continue to reconnect uh, to Africa and traveling to Ghana and the West African of the original people of North, Central and South America. Okay. So this year was known as the year of return, 2019. As many African-Americans were and continued to reconnect to Africa and traveling to Ghana and other West African countries. When we discuss the transatlantic slave trade, we have to first understand that African people are the original people of North, Central and South America. They have been in the land we call the United States of America at least 51,700 years. And one of the sources that we use in the class is Dr. David M. Hotep's book, The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence. Now, you don't have to buy any of these uh, books to follow along in class, but we use them for reference. So there's about uh, 70, 80 articles uh, that we reference as well. Visit our website, uh, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. And we have the information right on the homepage of, of the website, 12-week online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. So this class is on sale $80 right now. Uh, our next class is Saturday, March 4th, 2023, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Click right here to register for the full course. 
So I do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. Even after uh, the 12 line course is over with, you you can go back and watch the entire course as much as you want to. You'll have full access. All right. Um, and then we also have a bundle pack where you get both classes that I teach uh, on sale for $120. That's a $300 value. There will be uh, five of my uh, lectures that, that will be in the video library uh, when you log into your account and you'll be able to watch uh, five of my lectures as a, a free bonus as well. Now, the second class uh, that I teach deals with history from um, 1800 to 1968. And this is... Uh, Black resistance movements from the Haitian Revolution to the Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement, 1800 to 1968. So I teach this class on Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this class is Sunday, March 5th, uh, 2023. And with, with this course here, we study in depth this uh, 168, 170 year period of history. Okay, this is a 12-week online course as well. Same structure as the first class. Click right here to register here. And we have to understand that history leading up to the Civil War, what led up to the Civil War taking place, but then also uh, understand what happened after slavery ended as well. Okay, and this helps us understand how we got to where we are today, what were the laws and policies uh, what were the laws and policies that were put in place to put us in the predicament that we're in today as African-Americans to understand where we need to go from here? Okay, so in the aftermath of the insurrection uh, on January 6, 2021, at the U.S. Capitol, many leading historians drew parallels between the violence that we saw January 6, 2021, and the uh, Reconstruction era, which is 1865 to 1877, and this is the period after the Civil War end in 1865. Uh, this was a period of political revolutionary, political revolution directly following the American Civil War. Now, this 12-week online course will analyze U.S. history primarily from the African-American perspective, beginning in the period 1800 to 1856, leading up to the end of the Civil War, okay, uh, in 1800 to 1865 as well, and the 13th Amendment. We'll look at the Reconstruction Era, uh, 1865 to 1877, the Red Summer of 1919, the Jim Crow Era, World War I, uh, the Great Migration, 1915 to 1970, World War II, the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power Movement. To better understand uh, where we need to go from here and the laws and policies that need to be put in place. But you have to understand how you got to where you are today. The laws and policies that have now distributed wealth, power, and resources into the hands of Europeans. And uh, we have to understand the lasting legacy of slavery as well. Now, it's important to understand this chronology of history to get a better understanding of how we got to where we are now to understand where we go from here. Unfortunately, some of this history is repeating itself. Okay. Unfortunately, some of this history is repeating itself. So uh, this class you can register for now. As soon as you register, you can watch um, the uh, class um, 
class number one uh, that we just had. Watch that. All right. Now, there, there's a good article from uh, Time.com that we reference in the class as well. There's a good article from uh, Time Magazine, Time.com. And this article is uh, a new report finds that 45 states are to teach a new reminds that 45 states are failing to teach students about the period that shaped race relations after the Civil War. And, and they're talking about the Reconstruction Era, okay? The Reconstruction Era. And if we look briefly here, briefly here at this article, um, it says scholars say studying aftermath, scholars say studying the aftermath of the Civil War helped context many of the most seminal events in the U.S. in recent years, from the brutal murder uh, of uh, George Floyd by police uh, to the voter suppression laws enacted after uh, black voters played a big role in helping Joe Biden and Kamala Harris be elected president and vice president in 2020. But despite the, the timeliness of the era in today's climate, many students in American schools will not get a full education on reconstruction until they go to college. Okay, many students in American school will not get a full education on reconstruction until they go to college. Now, now the problem is most of them are not going to go to college or a good uh, portion of them are not going to go to college. All right. So that's why uh, the content of this course is so important. And your understanding of politics, your understanding of politics is directly related to your understanding of history. And politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth power resources and the writing of law, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. So coming out of this course, you'll have a better, much better understanding of how we got to where we are today, the laws and policies put in place, what needs what uh, 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 the laws and policies that need to be put in place to, uh, to to take us to where we need to go, okay? So this is understanding where, where we go from here. All right, so visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. We have the information around the homepage of the website, Black Resistance Movements from the Haitian Revolution, the Civil War, the Civil Rights Movement, the Black Power Movement. So we start in 1800, we look at the, Louisiana Purchase of 1803 and the Haitian Revolution as well, 1791 to 1803, because those two events are related. And then we look, go through history chronologically, and we look at things like the Missouri Compromise of 1820, uh, Texas uh, winning its independence in 1836 from Mexico, Mexico winning its independence in 1821 from uh, Spain. Uh, the Mexican-American War, 1846 to 1848, Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which ends the Mexican-American Mexican War, and the U.S., as a result of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, is going to get the territory that makes up California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, and Nevada. They're going to get all that from Mexico. Mexico loses about a third of their territory. We look at uh, the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854, uh, and we look at why the Civil War starts April 12, 1861. We, then we go through and analyze the civil, U.S. Civil War. Uh, 
Emancipation Proclamation, January 1st, 1863, which did not free the enslaved Africans. Ratification of the 13th Amendment, December 6, 1865. Reconstruction era, 1865-1877. Compromise of 1877, which ends Reconstruction, and Rutherford B. Hayes becomes president. And the Republicans make a backroom deal with the Democrats that if they let Rutherford B. Hayes uh, become president, he'll remove the remaining Union troops out of the South from uh, Florida and South Carolina, et cetera. And then you have the Jim Crow era where the white supremacists have taken back control of all levels of government in uh, the Southern states. You have, uh, so we studied the Jim Crow era, Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896, U.S. Supreme Court case, Mississippi State Convention of 1890, where uh, they rewrite the state constitution and impose poll taxes and literacy tests in a state that had a majority African-American population and the majority of the voters were African-American as well. So you go through this period where you see these southern states, these former Confederate states rewriting their state constitutions. South Carolina, 1895, Mississippi, 1890 poll taxes being imposed in Florida in 1889. Uh, so we go through the Jim Crow era, great migration, 1915, 6 million African-Americans migrating from the South, up North and out West. World War I, 1914, 1918, World War II, 1939, and what leads up to the Civil War taking place so we can understand how we got here today and understand history, law, politics, and economics to understand where we go from here. So Black resistance movements from the Haitian Revolution to the U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement, okay? So you register for that class right now at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, that's on sale $80 as well. And we have the bundle pack where you get both classes for $120. Um, for both classes, this information is PG-13, I would say. So you can use this with your children as well. And also to support the African History Network, uh, you can support us. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. And we have it right on the homepage of our website as well. This helps us to keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, finance the African History Network show, pay some of the bills, et cetera. Okay. So we have a PayPal and Cash App information uh, there also. All right. So hope to see you in class. Visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Remember, right now, it's, uh, also for returning students, those who have uh, uh, paid for it, uh, one of my online courses in the past, you get a 50% discount. Uh, returning students, you get a 50% discount on our bundle pack. So email me at the email me at ahn show at the African History Network.com. ahn show at the African History Network.com. All right, and we'll get you taken care of. Right now, it's correct wrong behavior is not over till we win Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next time.